Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too. With my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Roy, uh, your ears might have been burning on Monday. Uh, you know, I had a meeting with uh, with Joe Polad to talk about taking over uh, as executive chairman of the Minnesota Twins, replacing his uncle Jim Polad, who's still going to be active as an owner, but Joe's really going to become the day to day face of the uh, franchise. And uh, Joe Polad and Dustin Morse was sitting with them, and they were talking about our podcast because who doesn't listen to our podcast? Uh, that's always you know, the pertinent question here. And uh, Joe has spent the last couple of years redesigning the twins uniforms, kind of doing the rebrand. He was not particularly thrilled that we thought that the M new M hat reminded us of the Marlins. He denies that it is anything like the Marlins and he thinks we should reconsider. Well, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, you guys were talking and by about, the way, I'm saying this, I'm saying this, he, he said it in a very, he said it in one of the, it, he, he brought it up, but he was also very being very funny uh, about it. He wasn't like really mad, although I think he was a little mad. Yeah, no, I'm sure, I'm sure he was. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I'm uh, not going to duck that. I'm d- I'll just say that you guys brought up the M I, looking like the Marlins. I have no idea what the Marlins M looks like. I mean, I don't know. You know, maybe it does. Uh, and if it does, that's not a good thing for, you know, for me. Uh, and uh, as I said before, I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm a traditionalist. So it, in baseball about a lot of things. So I have to, I have to wait a little bit and see if the, if the, you know, things, grow on me. I like, I like the pinstripe grays. I like the white, white, uh, you know, white uniforms. Uh, the, um, the idea of the twin cities on the front is kind of growing on me. That's like what I said when we talked about this, I just have to, I have to let that percolate a little bit. So if, um, if, if Joe's mad, is mad at us for the, uh, for the, for our feeling about the M, then, you know, I think he's still ahead of the game for me, from me. I think he's going to get over it. Yeah. Um, I will say I, I sitting here, my first reaction was, okay, that's a Marlins M. And Joe said, no, it's not the Marlins M. So I had, went and looked it up and you know what? He is right. It's not the Marlins M. Uh, the Marlins M looks very different from that. It It's actually, it's, it's kind of uh, offset in the same way that the Marlins M is, but the Marlins M is much thicker and usually had some kind of a fish swimming over it. So it is a completely different design. This is a thin M with a North star on it, which should, you know, should differentiate it. So we might've been completely inaccurate, but, uh, you know, the, the M will take more time to grow on me than the twin cities or the home whites, which I just immediately loved. Yeah. I, I, I like all the rest of it too. And if we were inaccurate, um, then, um, you know, this, it would be, it would be, be a first. Well, it, I mean, it, it would be a first. That's never time, happened before. It would be the only time we were ever inaccurate, except for um, except All for the other times. Thought we were inaccurate, and we weren't. 
Uh, so let's get into this. By the way, let, let's start here because we are going to talk about the poll ads, the transition of ownership, my conversation with Joe the other day. Uh, you know, you are a former twin, a twins broadcaster, uh, and a financial person in downtown Minneapolis. Uh, of course, the poll ads fit, check a lot of those boxes too. How well do you know the poll ads and do you know Joe at all? I do know Joe. I've known him since he was a kid. I mean, I mean, he's still a kid to me, but he, I mean, and he would be mad to hear me say that too. Uh, I hope they, I hope they are listening to every podcast, as they say. And uh, Joe, you can be mad at me for uh, calling you a kid, even though you're a, a, an accomplished grown man. Everybody's a kid to me these days, it seems. Uh, but uh, literally, uh, we have. Well, of course, I first met Carl in uh, 1985 when I rejoined the Twins. I have a wonderful personal Carl Polad story that um, oh, good. Uh, today. But beyond that, um, I Jim Polad went uh, to school with, uh, uh, with my wife. He went to high school with my wife. Uh, she's known um, Jim and, and their, uh, family members for quite a while. Um, I met Jim when I, you know, got here at 85. They were members of the same interlocking country club. We did, uh, as you know, was Bob. Um, and I mean, we went, li we literally did stuff as families. Um, when, uh, Tommy and Joe and Chris were young and they were, you know, in and around my uh, son and twin daughters ages. One we every every Christmas time when we just talked about this the other day, we got on a bus that they that uh, the Jim or Bob, I think maybe Bob Polat had organized. We got the, all the families on a bus and we caravaned up with a it was a Christmas vacation. If you've ever seen one, we got, went on a bus you know, in a uh, caravan with a truck with a giant trailer and we tromped out into the snow and we all cut down Christmas trees and threw them on the, on the trailer and, and came back on the, uh, on the bus and, you know, tied up our own tree to our house and uh, to our cars. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's like that. I mean, we had, we've, we've known them and I've known Joe for a long time. He's 40 years old. He's taking over a major role. And, you know, one of the themes of our conversation was he said, I, I'm not, I don't think you're going to notice much of a difference. I'm not going to do things much differently. I don't have any, you know, he has great respect for Jim and the way Jim ran things. So he's not looking to make any dramatic changes. He thinks very highly of, uh, of Falvey and Rocco. And, uh, you know, well, I thought one of the most interesting things he said to me was people have no idea what Derek Falvey is building behind the scenes in terms of an analytics and scouting uh, organization. Uh, and it's funny because I've heard that from a few different people since Derek arrived in town that, okay, you know, they're not going to talk about it, but behind the scenes, they are building, you know, a combination. They're building it. If it sounds almost like they have MIT, you know, a, a, a office someplace with supercomputers is running uh, overtime and they're using that to inform every decision. Now, you know, that, that gets into analytics and, hey, somebody's still got to make the right call and there's luck involved or anything else. But but I, I found it very interesting that, you know, here's a 40-year-old guy uh, who's coming in and it sounds like he's pretty happy with the way things are going, even, even despite, you know, the struggles down the stretch last year. What are, what's, what are your impressions of, of Joe taking over? 
Well, I think it's I think succession planning is always is always good. And um, I think that he has been under the tutelage uh, for a long time of his father, just about life and business. And then, you know, then his uh, uncle, uh, Jim, um, and um, in the baseball side of things, he's done a lot of things in, you know, had a lot of jobs in the twins organization uh, and. Um, he's a, uh, he's a young, sharp guy. And so I, I think what's in play and one person you didn't mention, I know that you feel the same way. I'm I'm sure he has tremendous respect for the job that president Dave St. Peter does. Oh yeah. If you've got St. Pete and you've got, you know, Falvey and Levine, um, you know, you're, as the CEO, I mean, you're, you're way ahead of the game. And as a CEO, you're only as good as your people that are, that are really going to, you know, run a lot of the important aspects. And, you know, his job as a CEO is going to be to set strategy and direction and, and all those kinds of things. And I think he's, I think he's qualified to, to do that. And especially so since he has some really good people in very important positions working for him. So, And I, what I'll give him credit for, and I observed this, you know, firsthand myself being around the team a lot is for the last 15 years, he has actually done, you know, mid-level jobs in baseball yeah. operations, in marketing and communications. He spent a lot of time with Dustin Morse, who's, you know, the best in the business in terms of running a, a PR staff. Um, and honestly, so this is, this is not your typical, you know, silver spoon scenario where somebody gets a job just because, you know, because of the last name. Uh, yes, he got, yes, it's an ownership family. They were going to pass it on to somebody in the ownership family, of course, but he actually did the jobs. And I, you know, and I will, I'll be honest, you know, when my, we set up our meeting for him to talk, uh, you know, I didn't know how personal, personable he would be or how relaxed he would be. Uh, and he was very relaxed and he and Dustin were just kind of you know, needling each other like old friends. It gave me, it actually gave me a pretty good feeling about, you know, about him and where he's going to take the franchise. Yeah. And I'll just tell you uh, quickly that, um, that doing the various jobs inside a company or, 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 or an organization has been a Polad family trait since Carl. I mean, all of, you know, Jim and Bob, you know, Bill, the youngest uh, Carl's son, uh, is a tremendously talented and successful movie producer and director. And, um, uh, and so he's not been involved as much in the family businesses as uh, Jim and Bob. Uh, but Jim and Bob worked in all the businesses. They, they, Carl kind of decided early on which, which of the two were going to go which direction in all the various Polad holdings. And they worked jobs. They didn't immediately come in as, as presidents or CEOs of, bus- of businesses. They worked jobs and they sat on boards and listened to, you know, how, uh, uh, how things were run and, and, uh, their sons, uh, Tommy and Chris and, and Joe have had to do the same thing. They, they, nobody's, you know, no, Paul, no Paul has, you know, since Carl <laughs> and even Carl and it, it Let's say let's put it this way: Carl's sons and grandsons started at a higher level than Carl did because Carl, Carl, one time was boxing for uh, for a living, and and, uh, 
and had to, you know, kind of build everything from scratch. But what I'm saying is that, you know, none of the Polad sons or uh, grandsons uh, have started at the uh, at the top level. They've all worked worked their way through. Even though the answer was going to be they were going to be at the top level. I mean, there's no there's no you know getting around that. But they they they've Carl, they they've all done it right since Carl. Let's get to the ex- the inevitable pushback uh, I get we get anytime we we talk about the poll ads. First, I want to let you know that uh, Corona is the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. Thanks to Corona, thanks to some of our other prominent sponsors across the network, TSR Injury Law, uh, Star Bank, Minnesota Propane. Uh, If you'd like to advertise with this show or any show in the network, you can reach uh, our sales executive, Karen Cleary, at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. We do recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. Uh, for the show or any show you like on the network. It's free. It's easy. Remember, we have Cheryl Reeve, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, Dave Lee, Mike Grimm, John Krasinski, John Millay, Jeff Diamond, uh, Roy, and of course, our, our other partner on this show is Lavelle E. Neal III. Uh, we've got a great lineup. Check it all out at TalkNorth.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod to see the shows as they are released and see a schedule of our live shows. So listen, anytime I mention the poll ads, I get immediate pushback. Here's the pushback. You know, okay, you know, they don't spend enough money on the franchise. They don't spend enough money on payroll, you know, basically. And of course, when this move happened, I saw all these tweets and texts and other messages about nepotism. Well, listen, I have railed against nepotism in sports uh, and society many times. To me, nepotism, in, in, in the real functioning definition, to me, nepotism is when you have a group of candidates and you overlook more qualified candidates to hire somebody less qualified who has a similar name. And we do see that a lot in sports. This is different. This is an ownership group. Okay, The poll ads are not going to hand off family ownership of the twins to somebody outside the family. It, it's going to go to somebody in the family. Family. All you can hope for, if you're a fan or somebody who just wants to see things run right, is that the people who end up taking charge are qualified. Well, it's absolutely true. Uh, a couple of things uh, about that. Uh, first, a um, uh, a full disclosure, uh, a personal uh, re- reminder to everybody. I mean, I think the word nepotism has actually, in its original form, was actually uh, getting a job from your uncle. I mean, I, I think that was a major part of the original definition. And uh, I got traded to the Twins and played for my uncle for six years. <laughs> when I was here, you know, the first two years, I got screamed nepotism, you know, at me, uh, you know, every day. Uh, and sometimes pretty vociferously. And, you know, that it, it, performance, you know, takes care of, those kinds of things. And after, you know, 1978 or so, I, I didn't hear it any longer. Um, and, and so uh, the, the same thing will be there. I, I don't think there's, so you're right. I mean, I think, I think the nepotism, you know, you know, there's no such thing as nepotism in a family group here with the poll ads. If you want a, you want to keep the ownership in the family, if at all possible, a, a and B, if you have a family member 
that you believe is qualified. And I will tell you that uh, if Jim didn't think Joe could handle this job, I mean, there's too much money at stake for him to, you know, put somebody that's not bright and accomplished in there. I mean, that's regardless of family. I mean, it just, it, you know, it, it just can't, it, it just, it just wouldn't happen. So I, I reject the, you know, the nepotism deal. And the other thing that I absolutely reject out of hand, I categorically, categorically reject the premise that, um, if you have, if you are a billionaire, if you have that kind of money to be able to own a, a team, then you should lose personal money in uh, signing players to, you know, you, the, the argument that they've got all the money that in the world, they got more than they need. They should spend the money. And I reject that categorically. Now that's nuanced for me because I think there is a, a line or a consideration, if you want to own a team, then you need to understand that you're going to make your money on the back end when, if and when you sell the team. You're not going to get rich unless you're the Yankees or the Dodgers. You're not going to get rich in the meantime. The operating costs of, uh, the, of owning a ball club are in most places, and especially the Twins, are significant in terms of do does all revenue from all sources cover expenses from all sources and including payroll and if it doesn't cover payroll completely or if it just barely does then are, are you required to spend your own personal money on signing uh, Carlos Correa or you know pick pick somebody over and above what the business will actually justify in terms of uh, revenue and, and expenses. And I think there is a line uh, where, you say, okay, I'm an owner. I know that this is going to cost me some personal money. And, uh, then, and I'm going to make it back when I sell the team at some point in time. Now, that's a, that's a leap. Somebody's got to – if you think the Twins are worth a billion dollars, maybe – well, we'll see how many billionaires there are that jump up and buy clubs, you know, for, for a billion. And there are some. But we'll see. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I think you need to run, the, run it like a business and, uh, and not spend your own money um, less than judiciously just because everybody says that you got a lot and you should, you, you know, you don't need any more. You should just spend it. So there's a fine line. There's a line there where you say, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forego. I'm gonna, I'm gonna feed the kitty here. I'm gonna feed this business with money that we have from, you know, various places and maybe my, you know, personal banking bank account. I'm gonna feed this business to get players so that we make the club more valuable, so that it's, so that we make more money ultimately on in the operation. You know, that's seed money that you don't know for sure." how you're going to get back. And so there's a, there's a line there. You got to know that you're going to spend some money, but you are not, in my opinion, obligated to just have a personal checkbook to, you know, to, to uh, raise payroll to Yankee payroll levels. What we have seen in this town is that the easy answer for the average twins fan, anytime anything goes wrong with the franchise is just, okay, the poll edge spend more money. The poll edge are cheap. And listen, I have very interesting history with the Polad family because I started covering the team in 1993. They had won two world championships. 
uh, Carl deserved, you know, he received a certain amount of credit for running that franchise the way he did. He hired Andy McPhail and let him work and it worked out pretty dang well. Uh, but I got mad at Carl, uh, when during the, uh, lockout strike, I can't remember which it was in 94, 95 strike. Um, you know, he, he, he allowed a bunch of, he basically laid off a bunch of twins employees who weren't making much money. And I thought it was kind of a PR move. And, uh, so Carl and I butted heads about that. Uh, I didn't like, I, I, and I thought Carl made a bunch of public missteps, the Don Beaver stuff, the contraction stuff, uh, you know, saying that he was going to make a contribution to a new stadium. And it was really a loan. And when you read the fine print, I thought Carl went through a stretch there where he was not, uh, not presenting himself in the best light is the kindest way I can put it. And, uh, you know, and I think the family was mad at me for a while. Uh, and then and since then, I really haven't had many close personal dealings with the poll ads. Uh, so I, it's not like, it's not like I'm sitting here as a friend of their family trying to make them sound good. I will just say that to me, Minnesota twins fans don't understand what bad ownership would really look like. Bad <laughs> ownership. No, really bad ownership is moving the team. That's the worst, worst kind of owner you can have moving the team. The poll ads are the opposite. They built target field. They want it to be here forever. They want the team to be here forever. I'm talking about the current iteration of the Polad family. Number two, spending a lot of time threatening to move the team is terrible for the franchise. They haven't done that since they kind of let Jerry Bell take over the stadium stuff in uh, late 90s, early 2000s, and that's what led to the target field. Uh, And number three, the other kind is uh, the meddling owner who – messes with the baseball operations, pretends they know as much about baseball as people have spent their lives doing that work. Poleds don't do that. And the fourth kind of bad, terrible owner is the Daniel Snyders of the world, uh, who are just horrible human beings and make and destroy the franchise from within. So you can go ahead and argue that they could spend 10, 20, 30, 40 more million a year, whatever number you have in your head. But I don't really think Twins fans who complain about the Polites understand how bad it could be if they actually had bad owners in town. I was laughing because uh, I knew where you were going with that, and I, you know, I absolutely agreed, uh, agree one hundred percent. So I mean, that's that's why that made me chuckle when you uh, when you opened with I don't think uh, Twins fans know what uh, you know bad ownership is, and it's it's really true. Um, in it, it, I, I'm it that just reminds me of. Uh, when I was playing for the Yankees in a, in a time in my life that I just loved, it was wonderful having that opportunity to, you know, to play in the stadium and, you know, half the year and you travel around as, as Yankees. And I mean, that was really fun. And I had, I had some good years there. It was great. Um, we traded from the twins to the Yankees when I was, and it ultimately worked out and I was able to come back here and, you know, finish up here, but uh, in a big way. But uh, the thing that reminds me of is, you know, people ask me what it was like playing for the Yankees. And I said, well, and, and what reminds me is, you know, people think of you know, when you said that, you know, Paul didn't like you for a while or, or and, you know, Pat Royce, has a reputation for being acerbic and tough on, on people. And, and I just laugh about, you know, all that kind of stuff because they asked me about playing in New York. I said, look, every place that you could play has one, usually one thing that is difficult to deal with as a player, right? Either the fans are really tough or the media is really tough, whether it's uh, totality or just one or two, you know, 
poison pen kind of people that you think they are, uh, or the owner's really tough. And I said, in New York, you got the trifecta. (laughs) There are 100 poison pens. The fans will, uh, you know, boo you off the field on a daily basis. And the owner's a maniac. And at this point, it was George Steinberg at the time. And and he was the meddling kind of owner. Now I I like and respect uh, liked and respected George, and we got along fine and all that. But I my point is, oftentimes players and fans don't realize what how they have it. And uh, this is a wonderful place to play, and it's a wonderful place to be a fan. Let's bring in Lavelle. Lavelle basically was talking about my conversation with Joe Polad and the fact that uh, while you can. You know, anybody can complain about whatever they think the payroll should be. Uh, you know, bad ownership makes things – bad ownership destroys franchises. The poll ads have been the opposite of that. This is a very stable franchise. Exactly. And here's the thing, too, is that um, – oh, by the way, good uh, morning, both of you gentlemen um, – is that most owners in sports – are successful businessmen and they're successful in their businesses because um, they understand, you know, things like cost, average variable cost, elasticity of demand. Um, they know what the bottom line means and they're successful and they make money anyway. It's not about spending money. It's about how much you save and make and, and, and invest and build. Um, and the, the poll ads are definitely one of those types of owners. Um, just because they're worth like $4 billion doesn't mean they're supposed to automatically throw $500 million into salaries just because they have it. I mean, that's just no owner would ever do anything like that. You may get an occasional situation where like Mike Illich a few years ago when he was, you know, failing in health, he wanted to see the Tigers win. So they authorized a lot of spending. Um, but for the most part, you know, they've got to take, they have to keep, be mindful of operational costs. The Twins have lost over $100 million the last three years. And, and, and that's, that's lower than the actual number, which I've heard, which is kind of frightening. And, but um, they're so good in their other businesses, they're able to absorb it. Uh, they've got a lot of holdings and a lot of different things. Um, but they continue to put money in the target field to keep, uh, to update it and keep it in one of the, be in one of the top five ballparks in the league. Uh, and they have tried, you know, to sign quality talent. You know, they signed Nelson Cruz. They traded for Josh Donaldson. Uh, they've offered big contracts to a couple of pitchers. They agreed to sign in Correa to $35 million last year. Um, Jim Polat has, you know, an issue with long-term contracts. And he's right. I mean, usually when you sign a guy to a seven, eight, nine-year, 10-year contract, you're kind of burning money this last couple of years when the guy's in his mid to late thirties and it's declining in, 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 in ability. So I can see why he would be risk averse to those situations. Um, my argument with them, and I always say this, okay, if you're not going to sign a guy for a hundred million dollars, uh, take 10 million and make sure you have the best scouting and development department uh, in baseball and, and develop your own town. And, um, I haven't that I haven't seen that happen yet. Uh, I, that's my one quibble with them. If the, they're going to complain about how they can't play in the in the deep end of the free agent uh, waters, um, then you got to be really good when it comes to um, finding the right players to draft and develop and get to the major leagues. So, um, but it, it's not easy. And I, you know, I hear the cheap Polat's comment all the time, and 
you know, I think being able to talk to people with the organization, we have an idea of just how much it costs to run a, a baseball franchise. And they're, they've tried to be uh, successful, trying to be competitive, uh, despite the fact that they get more money from uh, ticket revenue than they do their television contract, which means they have a pretty crappy television contract. You know, you got like the teams like the Dodgers and the Angels and the Yankees, their TV contracts cover their payroll. That does not happen in, in, in Minnesota. Um, you know, so they're they're kind of operating in a, uh, they're operating with one hand tied behind their back. Um, you know, they took the, they rely heavily on group sales. So group sales have been non-existent since COVID. I think they're hoping to bounce back this year and, and get commitments for the entire summer. I mean, that would help the bottom line a little bit as well. But despite that, they have been in the playoffs the last within the last five years a couple times. You know, uh, they were there in 2020. Uh, they were there and they got, uh, you know, uh, knocked out by the Yankees and knocked out by the Astros. So they've been able to put competitive teams in the AL Central together. Uh, but everybody wants to see them, like, sign a Jacob DeGrom or Justin Verlander. And, you know, in, in most cases, that's just not it's not good business. But it would help if they would uh, uh, do a better job of just building and growing from within and, and finding their own top-level talent. And 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 then trying to keep it for six years and see then see if you can sign them to a long term deal instead of uh, if they don't want to play in the free agent waters. So uh, I see where they're coming from uh, in a in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of cool people over there. And Joe, you know, I've known Joe going on 20 years, and he's been working uh, to get to this point where he would have, you know, authority and day-to-day operations of the club. And he's done this the right way because he's worked within the organization and has had different roles within the organization. And he has learned. I don't know. Uh, I still think that Jim Paulette's going to be like the godfather in this situation. And, you know, the, he'll probably have the final say-so on some moves here. But, you know, this is Joe's time to uh, uh, all the years that he's worked to learn about the baseball business and learn about the industry. You know, it's time to put that together and, and take over the leadership uh, of the organization. So it'll be very interesting to see the, the steps the Twins take uh, over the next couple of years. So w- one thing about that, Lavelle, I mean, this is a situation where uh, it reminds me of on the baseball field when, you know, Bob Boone came right out of playing and uh, he got hired to be a manager of the Kansas City Royals. I covered him. And, and uh, he had played – uh, a lot of years for Gene Mock in 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 the Angels uh, on the Angels Club, and there was a deep respect between the two of those. And and you know Boone recognized Gene for being, you know the the caliber of manager and and intelligence that he was. And when he got hired in Kansas City, uh, and I don't know if this was whether he did this on his own or whether that was part of his. Uh, interview process where he said, "Look, and I, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to do this." But he brought Gene in just uh, to be the bench coach, just to sit next to him. And, and it wasn't the bench coach like bench coaches are now. It was, um, <laughs> "Am I make, am I making the right decisions?" Or here's why I'm here's why I'm doing this. Am I crazy? You know that those kinds of things. And then more importantly, to talk before and after each game. Okay, what did, you know? What do we think about the decision that you know that I made? And and uh, how could I do that better? Or maybe that was a great one. And here's, you know, here's why. My point is obvious. I mean, Jim's going to be there, but rather than just hover over him, rather than Jim sitting at the head of the table and having, and having Joe as his right hand and have that uh, really direct shadow, I think that 
you know, Jim will will be a, um, a very, very exclusive kind of bench coach. Uh, and, you know, Chris Dessert has, has talked, we talked about, you know, Lavelle before you were on. I mean, we, Chris has, has paid his dues through the organization. Now he's going to get a chance and there's, there's going to be a bench coach back there just, uh, just to be sure. Right. Exactly. And I tell you, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fascinating. I was in awe of uh, seeing G mock in the dugout and talking to him about the game. He has so much knowledge about baseball. Uh, I've never I seen anything it. like it. I know. Learned a lot. He had, he had this technique where he could look at a box score and like recreate each out going backwards. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I've never seen anybody. I, I try to do that and it's sometimes I'm successful, but it, it never, it, it never ceases to amaze me. He could look at the most complicated box score and he could start with the last out of the game and work backwards. And he can tell you every, every out of yep. every game and who, who pitched to whom and what they did. It was, it was incredible. Hey, uh, thanks again to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. We do appreciate you listening. Uh, December 15th, 7 p.m., Head Flyer Brewing. We're going to run the Cheryl Reef Show and the Glory Ramsey Winter Wear Drive. It's a great cause. It's always a great time. If you get a chance, stop on by. Those things are always just a lot of fun. Uh, let's wrap up today's episode. Oh, and by the way, I guess, Lavelle, I should go back to one thing Roy and I talked about previously. Uh, when I'm sitting there with Joe, he... Uh, he offered a combination of outrage and fake outrage over us saying that the M hat looks like the Marlins hat. And <laughs> so I had, to, so I had to come back and by the way, you guys might be getting M hats in the mail. Uh, now. <laughs> oh, no. uh, and, I hope uh, so I, you know, I, I, I hope that he has, uh, he has that kind of needling sense of humor. would be great. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think definitely you, Roy, I don't, I don't know about Lavelle, but uh, I think Roy's definitely me getting get like a hundred M hats in the mail here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I did, I have to admit, Lavelle, I did go look up what the Marlins M hat used to look like, and it doesn't look the same. He's right. Uh, it, it was more of a block M, and it always had a fish or something nearby. So so this is a different, I have to give it to him. It, it the, the offset of the M is similar, but it doesn't look like the same M. Okay. All right. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I, that's why I just the reaction when I saw it. Maybe it was because yep. of the color. I, I wish they would have done something with that North Star to make it a little more prominent. But someone told me if they made it any bigger, it looked a lot like the Houston Astros cap, and they didn't want to go that direction. So, ah. well, we are at that point in sports history where a lot of stuff has been done. It's hard to be original at this point. I, that's a good point. That's a very good point. And you know, but I thought they did a nice job with the Twin Cities. Uh, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Uh, it's and I, I actually like I like the home whites too. Um, I, I was just I got sick of them. They, their color scheme was moving closer and closer to Cleveland's, and I'm I'm glad they took a step away from that. So um, yeah, well, it, I'm all for I'm all for all of this, and I think the Yankees ought to totally redesign their uniform. You know, <laughs> <laughs> stuff, you know, get get rid of the Yankee pinstripes and do something modern. Come on. Well, it's funny, right? Because my my personal rule about uniforms, and it, you know, it's a rule. It's everybody has to follow it. Uh, is that if you are a traditional, proud franchise or program, you shouldn't mess with the uniforms. And if you are an upstart, then you should go crazy. Uh, and I think the Twins find themselves in the middle. They've won two World Series. They're uh, an established franchise, but they're not the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers, where you just can't touch. So, so would you, you know, so for you, if you were going to, if you were going to do a rebrand of the twins, what old uniforms would you go back to and rely on? 
Well, all I will say is they were uh, they were in the World Series with their original old school uniforms in 1955, and they won two World Series with classic white and gray with pinstripes. And so I guess I'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, the, M, the correct M hat would be the old uh, lowercase M that, that won two World Series. Yeah, I like that one. I, I mean, but I mean, come on, let's, I, I'll be honest with myself. I mean, I, we, every, and people will be mad at me about, about this, but I was not a, um, I mean, we went from, you know, the double knit waistband, no belt, no belt loop, uh, and also on the road, baby blues, which everybody likes, but they looked like, because of the double knit and the band belt and all that, the band waistband, uh, they look like pajamas to me, and I, I wasn't did. crazy about that. And when we got those in '87, when we got those pinstripe uniforms that just look like a modern version of a real classic, I just love that. Now, whether or not they had that M or a TC or whatever, I, I don't care. I just loved the uniforms from where we came from to that. I just thought that we had you know, we had gotten big league uniforms at that point. My favorite. I liked the creams that they wore, the home creams they wore when they first moved into Target Field. I like, I would, I love the color baby blue. Like you, I didn't like the the you know that weird uh, waistband thingy that that you guys used to have. But I would love to see some classic old baby blues, but having them look like a uniform instead of like pajamas. Um, and I think that the the twin stripes. I think. Just their classic and you won two World Series. And those, those would be my choices. Although, once again, I like the new Twin Cities ones and I like the new Home Whites. Well, just so the people know, because I'm they're gonna people are gonna scream at me about my feeling about the baby blues, but they had they had elastic waistbands and they had pullover tops. And it just it, it yep. just didn't feel like, you know, a, you know, a big league. And the, the baby blue, I mean, if you're gonna wear baby blue, I just kind of think that you have to make it as as traditional as a, as baby blue can be, but that's but there you go. I agree. I I've always favored the TC hat. I think that's a really cool yep. looking logo. TC hat has always been my favorite. Yeah, and so I, I would run with that over over the M. Um, like the baby blue, I actually really like when they went to the throwback ones that they used to wear in the sixties with the uh, uh, with the the, the special knit uh, the special uh, fabric they used. Um, the ones that Harmony Killer wore, I like those a lot too. I liked it when they wore that. So, um, uh, but I, I'm a, you know, I love baby blue and I love the old school ones. But I can, I like, I like what they did except for the two uniforms with the dark tops. That I'm, I'm gonna have to get used to. Maybe I'll have to see them more in person more and have it grow on me. But uh, it was an attempt. It was also a money grab because uh, for some reason. All they have available now for Christmas are the authentic jerseys. They don't have the replica jerseys. They're about $120 cheaper. They have the $309 authentic jerseys for sale right now. So uh, boo on the twins on that one. I just think uh, they need to have a little tag on the expensive jersey saying, if you buy enough of these, we'll go get an ace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It'll, it'll only, it will only take 100 million uh, jersey sales, and we're, and we're good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's what more? I mean, shouldn't if the fan base wants to spend money? I mean, this is your this is your this is your path forward. 
All right. This is a very silly episode, uh, but I had fun with it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks to everyone who listens to the network and the show. We'll be back next week, and we might actually talk about baseball. We are going to have a heck of a conversation next week because I'm headed to San Diego this weekend. I'm on the Veterans Committee uh, to determine the the the, uh, the Hall of Fame for this class. That means we're voting on Bonds and Clemens and all those guys Ooh. from the steroid era. Yeah. So – um, Okay, well, <laughs> well, we need to, yeah, we well, we need to get you on this podcast then next week, Lavelle. I think that will be very important. So we'll have to make sure we have that time set. Uh, that'll be a good show. We'll also talk about Judge and uh, free agency and all kinds of stuff. We have some music to talk about. We're not going to get to it this week, but I think we need to talk about Tom Petty, Fillmore, and some other cool music developments. So thank you, gentlemen. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>